I want us to make our confession. So if you have your Bible, will you lift it up and say after me, the word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Have a seat. It's so simple. We, we have a hard time getting it messed up, but sometimes we can. <clears throat> Thanks to Reuben up there tonight. I'm going to put you through your paces because we're going to look at some scripture. Would you put up Jude 3 for me? And we're going to look at a few scriptures in Jude 3. We, this is just a, a review for those that have just come uh, tonight. I've been sharing for three weeks on the margin of error. It's a word that the Lord spoke to me in June. That the margin of error was narrowing for the body of Christ. Everybody say the body of Christ. That means for those who believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died for them, that he was resurrected, that he resides in heaven, that he put his blood on the mercy seat. And because of that, we have been made free from sin. We have been made free from any work of the enemy against us, but we still have to make choices. Everybody say choices and choices that keep us in the perfect will of God. Now that doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. If you're here tonight and you've never made a mistake, I'm going to sit down and let you tell your story because we all walk a road in this life where there are things that come that tempt us and cause us to go maybe a direction we shouldn't have. Uh, I've been on those roads and those aren't good roads to get on. However, they do happen, but there is a way of escape and it is through the blood of Jesus and what Christ did for us on Calvary. excuse me, but we have to make that choice on a daily basis. How many of you found that just because you heard a word on Sunday doesn't mean everything goes okay on Monday or maybe even Sunday afternoon or maybe before you get out of the parking lot. And so we have that choice to make all the time. And what God was saying to me is the margin of error. It talks about in Matthew uh, chapter six and seven, all of the, of the Beatitudes and all of that time where Jesus was teaching uh, the people on living life in Matthew five through seven. And part of that is the road is narrow the road, is, the road is wide, but the gate is narrow. And as we approach the coming of Jesus, uh, even in the natural realm, we can look around and say, things are sure different than they used to be. Uh, even in the church, things are sure used different than they used to be. And, and progress is good. You know, God can go with anything, any season, any time, but you got to take God with you in those seasons and in those times. So the God who is the God of yesterday is the God of today and the God of tomorrow and forever. And so when we look at this, I want us to just know tonight that uh, I'm going to share with you something I believe God's shown me. And I believe that if we can see this, we will make the right decision. Turn to your neighbor, say, I want to make right decisions. Uh, It's a lot quicker if you do it the right way. And so this is what it says in Jude 3. This is the last book in the Bible before the book of Revelations. Uh, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And then verse 4, for certain men, and this includes women, have crept in unnoticed 
who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know, the enemy doesn't come and, and do these things and deceive the people of Christ with such blatant things that they would say, oh, that's the devil. It is subtle. Everybody say subtle. But he knows how to do it. He knows how to move in to a, uh, a cracked door, and he can get in there. How many of you know uh, you've seen ants or mice or anything like that? Isn't it amazing how they can get in your house? And you think there's no way they're going to get in there. But they do. They find a little crack, and they get in. The enemy is an expert at getting in those places. In verse 20 and 23 of that same book, Jude, it goes on, and it says, But you, beloved... Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. <clears throat> that's the first time maybe they've been called beloved, but it's true. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit goes on. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And then, and on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others, everybody say, but others. Save with fear and not not fear of what you see, but fear of what will happen to them, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that as I share this tonight, the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened to what is the truth. And not one person in this sanctuary tonight or listening in any way to this message will fall into a trap of deception that will take them away from their, their faith in Jesus Christ and the life that God intended for them to live in this earth in Jesus name. Everybody said, amen. amen. James one twenty two in the amplified version. I believe this is a very good definition of where a lot of people get in the body of Christ, but be doers. Everybody say doers, doers of the word, obey the message. That's pretty simple. Obey the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it. You know, how easy is it to just listen to what somebody says, but then the next day have to do it? How many of you know there's a difference between sitting here tonight and whatever you hear, and then tomorrow doing what you heard tonight and putting it to use? And not merely listeners to, listeners to it. Why? You will betray yourself into deception by reason contrary to the, everybody say truth. That capital T says that is this truth, the word of God, not truth of men. Uh, there's a lot of people who say they have the truth in our world today. And it is an opinion, but it is not truth. This is truth, and it doesn't change based on political correctness. It doesn't change based on people's opinions. It doesn't change based on who likes it or who doesn't. The word is the word of truth. And the Bible says in Psalm 119, I have hidden your truth, your word, in my heart that I might not sin against who? Against God. And we don't, any of us want to do that. But if we're not doers, we open the door to that. In James 1.13, it says that we're not tempted by God, but we're tempted when we're drawn away by our own lust or our own desires, things that we want to do that 
kind of take precedent over what we know God would have us do. And then in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through, or 3, 13, if you'll put that one up for me, um, Reuben, it talks about these people that are going to come with this deceptive message. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving, everybody say deceiving, and being deceived. In other words, the people who are deceiving have also been deceived. And so when they are deceiving you, they believe what they're telling you is truth. And so they're already deceived. And that's why I believe in in the body of Christ. I hear people say, and I've heard it often lately, oh, I don't need to be in church because we have a strong foundation. I've been saved all my life. I've heard those messages over and over. But, you know, this is not the time to be the Lone Ranger out there saying you know the truth because the enemy is looking for just one little place where you may know the truth, but you're not living the truth and he will be in that door. And before you know it, your thinking will be distorted and he will take your faith. How many of you know a few people who used to be in church, be very active, love Jesus, their faith was strong and they're not there today. How many of you know people like that? They didn't do that on purpose. They didn't wake up one morning saying, I don't even want anything to do with God. They woke up and something the devil tricked them in because he's the deceiver. He's the liar. Everybody say the liar. John 8, 44 says he is. Revelations 12, 9. Let's look at, I'm giving you the word because I don't want you to think I said this. These scriptures are from the word of God. So the great dragon was cast out. That was Satan. Jesus said, I saw Satan cast out. I saw him fall from heaven. And so this is who he's talking. This is what the word's talking about. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Everybody say the devil is real. Satan is real. He is real. And you may not want to believe him or believe about him or believe he's operating. But if you do that, you're ignorant. And if you're ignorant of the enemy's devices, you will be overtaken by those devices. I was overtaken in my life by the lies of the enemy. And I know what destruction can bring. And then it says he was cast to the earth. He deceives the whole world and his angels were cast out with him. If you know the word of God, it says a third of the angels that God, that were in heaven. This, this guy, Lucifer, he was the worship leader. How many of you know, in a lot of churches in not in our church, we have wonderful worship people up here, but some of the greatest spats and arguments and trouble in a church happen in the worship. Why? Because the devil hates you worshiping God. And anybody that's involved in it steps in. Anybody who steps up here in the morning on Sundays or Wednesdays steps into an arena of fighting the enemy at a very high level. Because it's the high praises of God that stop the devil. And so, you know, we have to walk in a position where we're not letting the enemy get an opportunity or we stop what God wants to do. Uh, in Matthew 24, and we'll finish with this, Matthew 24, 4, Jesus said, everybody said Jesus said. Jesus answered and said to them, talking about the last days and what will come, take heed that no one deceives you. Verse 11 says, uh, if you want to go to that one, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Verse 12 goes on and says, and because lawlessness, everybody say lawlessness, that's disobedience. That's people not doing what they know they should do will abound. The love of many will grow cold. And then this last one in Matthew 24, I think it's 20. 
24, he says, false Christ, false prophets. Now, this doesn't mean people are going to run around and say they're Jesus, but they're going to they're going to be people in the fivefold ministry, prophet, teacher, evangelist, uh, pastors, people that God has raised up. They're going to they're going to they're going to act like they know things. Because it's an act, it's not truth. It says there'll be lying signs and wonders. And because of that, they'll show those great signs and wonders. Everybody say, but they're lying ones. To deceive, if possible, even the elect. Everybody say, we need to wake up. We have to be ready for what the the enemy is bringing against us. Because it's not happening once in a while. It's happening all the time. Because he knows his time is short. You know who's going to really end up living in hell? Satan. And he wants to take as many people with him as he can. And so as the body of Christ, we're called for this hour to be a light that is so bright that the people will be drawn to that light. But if we're not walking in that place, then there isn't going to be anybody to draw them to that place where they need to be. Everybody say two kingdoms. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. There are two kingdoms. First uh, Peter 2, 9 is a great scripture for us in the church. And this is what it says. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Everybody say two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of Light In the Hallelujah Course, it says uh, the, the kingdoms of this world and of our Christ. In other words, Christ has overcome the kingdom of the world, but it is still here. We live in the world, but we're not of the world because we have been translated. Everybody say translated. We have been moved out of darkness into light. So there are two kingdoms. And, and it says in uh, Matthew, this is Matthew eleven twelve. I'm sorry, that's a wrong scripture up there. Typo by the person standing here. <clears throat> if I sound like I'm in a hurry, I don't want to miss any of this. So I got to move tonight because this is, I, I believe it's so important that you understand. Matthew eleven twelve talks about that since the days of John the Baptist, everybody say since the days from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now, I know that scripture, that, that violent there is not, you know, we get armed with weapons like the world has, but we have spiritual weapons. You know, we have, we have the power of God, the anointing God. We have prayer. We have the ability to speak the word, which is a great weapon against the enemy at all times. We have the ability to understand what God is doing, even though the world may not know and do something about it. We can bind and loose. We have lots of weapons, but those weapons are meant for us to use to uh, stop the enemy. Our fight is not with people to stop what the enemy is doing because we're not fighting flesh and blood, but we're fighting powers and principalities and they're not taken out by a gun. I'm not against guns, but they are not taken out by a gun. They're taken out by the word, which is a powerful weapon. And so prayer, praying the word, speaking the word, and binding and loosing all those things that God's given us to do, that's how we become violent. We're not going to get, this is not about standing on a street corner and debating scripture. This is about taking a position spiritually where we begin to use the truth of the word. We bind the enemy. We loose the power of God. We plead the blood of Jesus over people. We do the things that we use the name of Jesus. Everybody said, that's a great one. 
the name above all names. And so these weapons th- that bring about uh, a, a suffering of violence, that God showed me this. I was so amazed. What did John the Baptist proclaim? He proclaimed the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So since the days of John the Baptist, and I thought, well, Lord, they've been fighting. I mean, the Jews have been fighting since the beginning of the old covenant. But he said, yes, but since the days of John the Baptist, when Jesus was going to take over and take rulership, then the kingdom of darkness now has a problem. Because the kingdom of God is now in all of the church. I know you're looking at me like, huh? Us? What was God thinking? Everybody say the kingdom of God abides in the body. That's why from the days of John the Baptist, when John the Baptist, I'll show you this in scripture. Look at Matthew 3, 2. This is John the Baptist, and he says, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What was he saying? We're about to experience on earth as it is in, we are about to experience it. When Pastor Dan preached a week ago Sunday, and he talked about heaven on earth, that is exactly the way this thing is supposed to be, heaven on earth. And then when you look at the next scripture in Matthew 10, 7, this is what it says, Jesus, everybody say Jesus. He said to the disciples, to those, those disciples, as he sent them out, as you go preach saying, what are they supposed to say? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you follow that, it says, cast out devils, heal the sick. Everybody say, that's the kingdom. See, and in the church, you know, uh, in a, in a lot of churches, you, you don't cast out devils. You don't even talk about there is a devil. But that's what the kingdom of heaven is at hand is all about, is that the power and the anointing of God is in the earth today to do those things just like Jesus did when he was on the earth. It goes on. It says in um, John 18, 33 through 38. I want to look at this because Jesus was a king. Everybody say he was a king. Well, if you're a king, you must have a kingdom. I mean, if you're going to be called a king, you have a kingdom. And, and a lot of the people that followed Jesus, that's why they were so disappointed because they thought he was going to set up a government. He was going to set up something in the earth and they'd all get to be in it and everything would be great. But the kingdom he was talking about was his blood on the mercy seat to establish the kingdom of heaven in the earth. Everybody say in the earth. And that's what the believers are the representation of. It says, then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered and said, are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Jesus is very concerned about what you believe, not what somebody else believes. So he was saying to Pilate, what do you believe? Who told you this? Did you know this? Is this something you studied? And, and then Jesus went on to say, if you'll just keep rolling it there. Jesus answered, my kingdom, everybody say, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Then he goes on, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king for this cause. What for this cause? He became a king through this cause 
through this cause, through dying on Calvary. I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the, to the, everyone who is of the, everyone who is of the, hears my, my voice. Then he goes on. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all because he had seen the truth. Everybody say the truth. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. His name is exalted above every name in the earth. And his church has been given that name to use and operate in the same kind of authority. You know, in John 1, 19, uh, John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the the what? The sin of the world. See, that is the, the kingdom of darkness. That, that's what Satan operates in. That's where he operates. Jesus operates in the kingdom of grace. Everybody say grace. We are in the dispensation of grace. Now, that isn't a license to sin. It is a license to overcome sin. It is a license to live without sin by submitting to his rulership and not man's. And uh, turn to your neighbor and say, you don't have to fall. Uh, I, I believe that there are a lot of people who are falling. I believe there's a lot of people, I don't mean falling down, I mean falling for what the enemy's telling them. And they're ending up in places they're not supposed to be. And, uh, and Brother Copeland in his um, Faith to Faith, today it says you don't have to fall. And he's talking about a lady in here. It's actually today's reading that he prayed for her for healing of cancer. And she was healed. And uh, she called him uh, several years later and said, the cancer's come back. And he, he said, I remembered instantly praying with her. I remembered the scripture I prayed. And he said, so I said to her, do you remember the scripture? And he began to quote it to her. And when he said it, he said, go get your Bible. Isaiah 54, 17, that's the scripture. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, I will condemn. It is the, the heritage of the righteous. And so he said he, was, he almost started to weep because he heard her whisper to somebody, go find my Bible. She had let down on the word and she had lost the ability to stand against the enemy. That's what happens to a believer who has heard the word, but is no longer a doer of the word. And he said he was so disappointed because if we give diligence to the word of God and to the leading of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to fall. Uh, it says, I want to give you this scripture, Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Uh, if you'll put that up for me, Proverbs sixteen eighteen. I was reading uh, a letter from Pastor Sharon Doherty in Tulsa, and when I first felt that this was the time to share this message and Pastor Bill asked me to, I got a letter uh, from her, and it talks about, of course, deception. And, and so I really feel like it's a word for the body of Christ, not just this church. But she said the roots of deception are in pride and disobedience. And uh, if you look at the word of God, it says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit. Everybody say a haughty spirit, a haughty spirit before a fall. And, and she said, pride resists correction. How many of you know God corrects us? And uh, I know in this church, back in the very beginning of the year, God said that we were going to go through a season of correction for multiplication. Well, that's because in the season of correction, God removes things that don't belong there, but he also deposits things and strengthens things that do need to be there so that with what he's bringing, everybody will be ready. 
Everybody say, we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready. And she goes on and said, pride feels it's right and everyone else is wrong. Pride is not willing to be accountable. A lot of people don't like to have to report to anybody. When a Christian begins to become independent, feeling they have no need to be connected with other members of God's family, a door, everybody say a door, is opened for the enemy. Pride feels it can handle things on its own, but God resists the proud, and the proud resist him. But he gives grace, favor, and overcoming power to the humble. And then it goes on, and she said, disobedience, the second one, or resistance to divine authority or lawlessness. You know, if you don't obey man's authority, you will never obey God's authority. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate people who want to be an entrepreneur and feel like they want to start their own business and do their own thing. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of people doing that because they don't want to report to anybody. <laughs> that is a that is a spirit that's now very heavily operating in in our in our country. Disobedience or lawlessness does not want to submit to authority, sees itself as its own authority. And an attitude of lawlessness is in our society and believes that there are no moral absolutes. So it resists conforming to the moral boundaries given in God's word. It sees God's word as a book of suggestions and not commands. But the Bible says, if you obey the word of God, you will be. If you don't, you And so the truth is in the word of God. As I read that, um, I was reminded of two, two stories. And, you know, of course, you all know the story of Saul. He was a king. He was a man God appointed a king. And he fell because of pride. That's exactly why he fell. If you look at uh, 1 Samuel 15, this is what Samuel said to Saul when Saul did not obey God with the calling that was on his life. When you were little in your own lies... Everybody say humble. (laughs) When you were humble in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? You know, in the beginning, Saul didn't even think he should be king. He ran and hid when they were getting ready to anoint him. He actually hid. But by this point, he's doing things that he's been told not to do, taking matters into his own hands. And in the last verse up there, if you'll put up that other one, 23. So Samuel uh, for rebellion, everybody say rebellion. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Now, how many of you would think you're in witchcraft if you're rebellious? I can tell you, I was the most rebellious teenager uh, around in my day. Now, rebellion for me wasn't all the things that rebellion is today, but I had a mouth that was just Uh, could just really spout out a lot of stuff. And uh, I thought my mother knew nothing. I'm sure none of you ever felt that way. But I thought my mother, you know, she came from another world. And, uh, and so I would, I would have a lot to say about everything. I spent a lot of my teenage years in my room. Uh, Back in that day, uh, you know, my mother didn't tolerate that. And my dad didn't tolerate it at all. In fact, we used to sit in our bedroom because we had been banished up there. And uh, so we'd be looking out the window and and we'd be hollering things about my mother. And uh, my dad's business was across the street. And the minute he would start to come across the street, we'd shut the window and silence, nothing coming out the window. But mother's downstairs hysterical over what we've been doing. And so daddy comes up there. What have you girls been doing? Nothing. We don't know. Something's wrong with her. You know, she got mad and put us up here. We don't know why we're up here. And uh, so we were, we were in trouble a lot. Everybody say rebellion doesn't work. Rebellion will cause you to be in the hands of the enemy. It's not about you are not winning when you are in rebellion. 
you are losing and you are losing ground quickly the longer you stay there. And, uh, and so we don't want to be in that place. Everybody say you don't have to fall. Uh, Obadiah, in the book of Obadiah, he was a prophet. And he said, there's judgment on Edom because of the pride of your heart. The pride of your heart has deceived you. Well, what did we say? That we said when people are hearers but not doers, then they become in a position where they're deceived by their own heart, by their own reasoning, by, by deception of, of what they're thinking about. So, um, you know, First John 2 says that we're not to love the world. Because the world is, is the, the pride of life, you know, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And it says in James 4, if you'll go there, uh, and, and I'm just about finished, but I, I want to quickly get through this. It says, adulterers and adulteresses. Now, we're not saying that to all of you tonight, but this is, James is pretty hot about some things. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? How many of you today believe that that's even more true? I mean, if we're going to be a friend of the world, we're going to be in trouble. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's a pretty bold statement. Or do you not think that the scripture says in vain, the, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. But he gives more grace. Everybody say more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the, but gives to the, so take your pick. You can either have what the devil has or you can submit to God and let God take over in your situation. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, I used to look at that scripture and thought, well, how am I going to resist the enemy? And I felt like the Lord said to me, if you'll just do the first part, submit to God, you already have resisted the devil. If you submit to God, you don't have to fight against the devil. It's when we're not willing to submit to what God says that we end up in this battle with the enemy against us. Um, you know, it says, let's just go on and finish that. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, he's not writing this to the unsaved. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you uh, lots of reasons to put ourselves in a position of humility. It says in Micah 7, 8, um, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I shall, everybody say, I shall arise. <laughs> when I sit in the darkness, where is that? That's the kingdom of this world. Then the Lord will be a light to me. You know, we're in this world but we're not of it. That's true. That's the scripture. It says in Isaiah 60, which I love the scripture. I have it in my office and um, I believe it is for the day we're living in. It says, arise, shine. Everybody say, arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Then it says, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness, the people how many of you would believe that there's a lot of people that are covered in darkness? What that means is they just can't see what's even happening. They've been so mesmerized that now they can't see. And uh, I, I want to encourage all of you, if, if you're working in, in, uh, around people that don't believe uh, truth, there may be an opportunity that God will tell you to in, in share with them truth. But I have found the enemy is such a serpent that when you try to share truth with someone who is deceived, everybody say deceived. The more you try to share the truth, the more the enemy twists it. 
And one of the favorite words that come out of people's mouth is, are you judging me? No, no. But I am giving you the word of God. I'm not, I'm not the judge. But I am giving you the word of God, which is truth. And, and so, you know, there may be an opportunity where you can. But prayer is one of our most powerful tools to stop the work of the enemy. And if you have children that are trying to do wrong things, I want you to know that God has assigned you as a king and a priest. That's what the word of God says. You know, we, in the old covenant, there was a king and there was a high priest. And those two were the people with all the authority, all the authority. The king in a government setting, the priest in the spiritual setting. And so there were a king and a priest. Uh, today, you know, in our country, we have a president. We don't have a high priest that he's listening to that I know about. I don't know. He may be listening to one, but I don't think it's the high priest that's telling him the word of God in a lot of the decisions. But I want to tell you, there was a day where Billy Graham was in the White House quite often. And Billy Graham was consulted about things quite often. There was a day where the spiritual uh, counsel of God was sought on many fronts to combine, everybody say to combine, to bring the power and the anointing of God on what God has established. That's not happening now. And that's only because we have let this go so long that the, the kings are still in position in the government, but where are the priests? And this isn't a message of condemnation or to cause people to feel guilty. But if we wake up and take our position, we not only have power in the spiritual realm, we have power in the political realm. Because we are kings and priests. And, and I believe uh, with all my heart that if the church gets in the position we're supposed to be in, in these last days, we will be the people with the food. We will be the people with the water. We will be the people with the truth of the word of God. We will be the people in charge again for the kingdom of God. I believe that the government system, it has already failed. Everybody say it's already failed. Uh, you know, my children right now, they, they wouldn't even be able to have social security. My brother was just here from South Africa and because he's lived there so long and he has so few quarters in the, in the social security system of this country, he's never going to get to be able to collect social security. But because he just uh, did a, a, a job and a position in Sweden, it became money that was, uh, that he has to declare in the United States. So he had to pay all this money to the social security and uh, as a self-employed person, 15-something percent of everything he made. And he said, but I'll never get to use it. And I forget who said to him. I don't know whether it was you or somebody said, that's all right. We're going to need it for us. So thanks for helping us out. <laughs> it didn't make him feel a whole lot better, I don't think. You know, we're going to have to stand up and be heard in the, in the world that we live in. And I want to tell you, you are a voice to be reckoned with. But the key is we have to be a pure voice. I don't mean we have to be a perfect person, but we have to be flowing out of what God has put on the inside of us, not what we think in our mind. And I don't know about you, but in the situations and circumstances I've found myself in, especially in, in recent days, uh, people love to argue. They love to debate. Everybody say debate. But, you know, the love of God doesn't have to debate. The love of God just is who God is. But it doesn't change the fact of what we believe. And, and we, 
as believers in this world today can make a difference. I believe that God, in the, in the book of Revelations, he said after he said, Satan is the deceiver. He said, but we over, we do what? We overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. And this is the most important one of all, not loving our life even unto death. That doesn't mean I don't, well, these people in, in Iraq, they are losing their lives physically. But I believe there's going to be a real losing of uh, our ability maybe to have everything that we want or see everything that we want, to, to see things the way we want to see them done. But I don't think it will ever stop the power and the anointing of God that's on the inside of us that will cause us to overcome. Everybody say overcome in whatever circumstance we find ourselves because the word of God is truth. We do not have to fall. We are not going to fall. The church is not going to fall because I read it and he said he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. Man, some of us are going to have to go through the mangle. Hallelujah. Stand up with me tonight. You know, my brother was telling me, we used to have a mangle. How many of you know what a mangle is? (laughs) When I was growing up, and that was a long time ago, uh, as a little girl, my mother had this contraption in the basement that was called a mangle. And to me, that's what it did because you had to use your knee to make the thing and you had to bring the handle down and you put the clothes in there. And if you got them in wrong, I mean, it was over. They were mangled. They were like when they came out of there. And uh, my brother said that he was in South Africa and, you know, South Africa is very modern in the Cape Town, but a lot of things there are still maybe a few years back behind where we are. And uh, he found a mangle. And uh, over there, they iron all their sheets. I said, seriously, you don't have like whatever we have, you know, where you just put them on the bed and hope nobody sees them. Hallelujah. (laughs) Besides, you're going to lay on them. What matters? And so, but he said, no, we iron them. And he said, I found a mangle. And he said, it was so much fun because I remember as a little boy, and he was very little because he's eight years behind me, but he remembers my mom's mangle down in the kitchen. You know, I believe we have the ability to... uh, let God mangle, <laughs> put us through a place where all those things that don't belong in us are taken out and all those good things that he wants to deposit, there'll be room for. Amen. You know, when you have all that junk in there, not a whole lot of room left for what God wants to put in. God is not a, a mean God. You know, my grandma used to say he's going to get you. Well, I'm glad he got me. But at the time, I thought he was going to get me, like, not for a good reason, because I had a lot of reasons for God to get me. But he really did want me, and he really wants you. He he doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to protect you from what's happening in the world, that we all get to the other side, and when we get there, he's going to shout, well done my good and faithful servants. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for every person here tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you give us words to protect us. You give us words to open our eyes so we can see and hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And I pray tonight for every person here that 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 spirit of deception that is operating at full force in the earth today will not be able to touch one home, one family, one person in this church and bring deception and cause them to get off the road that God has planned for them. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org.
If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.